quite some time now. We're nearing the end of that. We're in chapter 6. Timothy chapter 6, and our focus this morning is on verse 12, and you can find this on page 993 in your pew Bibles. We'll begin reading back in verse, well, the second part of verse 2. Children, here are your questions for this morning. One, why does Paul tell Timothy that he must fight for the faith. Two, what kinds of things should Christians run away from? Three, what are some things Paul says Christians should go after? First Timothy chapter 6, beginning in verse 2b. This is the word of God. Teach and urge these things. If anyone teaches a different doctrine and does not agree with the sound words of our Lord Jesus Christ and the teaching that accords with godliness, he is puffed up with conceit and understands nothing. He has an unhealthy craving for controversy and for quarrels about words, which produce envy, dissension, slander, evil, suspicions, and constant friction among people who are depraved in mind and deprived of the truth imagining that godliness is a means of gain. For godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world, and we cannot take anything out of the world. But if we have food and clothing, with these we will be content. For those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evils. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. But as for you, O man of God, flee these things. Pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, gentleness. Fight the good fight of the faith. Take hold of eternal life to which you were called and about which you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. I charge you in the presence of God who gives life to all things and Christ Jesus, who in his testimony before Pontius Pilate made the good confession, to keep the commandment unstained and free from reproach until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, which he will display at the proper time. He who is the blessed and only sovereign, the King of kings, and Lord of Lords, who alone has immortality, who dwells in unapproachable light, who no one has ever seen or can see, to him be honor and eternal dominion. Amen. And again, verse 12, fight the good fight of the faith. Take hold of eternal life to which you were called and about which you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. There ends the reading of God's word. Let us pray together. Almighty God, we do thank you for your holy word. We thank you for the power of it, for the precision of it, how in reading your word we are 
receiving your voice, hearing your voice. And Lord, you undoubtedly touch our hearts through the power of your word and the work of your spirit. And now as we transition from the reading of that which is inerrant and infallible to the preaching of your word, we recognize that we need special help. So please send your Holy Spirit in a special way to help the preacher and to help all of us who will hear from you this morning. And we come to you in the name of Jesus Christ with the help of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Some people are fighters and some people just aren't. Some people, by nature, their personalities are feisty, and others are more passive. You see this sometimes in the way they play games or involve themselves in sports. Some are very competitive and aggressive. Others just do it for the fun. You see it in the way people use their intellect. Some people love to argue. Other people love to be agreeable. Some people just like to fight, others just don't. In the physical realm, uh, some like to box and wrestle or watch those things, extreme martial arts. Others of us don't want anything to do with that, watching it, let alone involving ourselves in it. Uh, We have many different personalities, but in the spiritual realm, the spiritual realm, no matter what your personality is, you're engaged in a fight. We're engaged in a fight. We're we're engaged in this this battle for our hearts and our minds and our souls and even our bodies. It's a constant battle that we're in. Now, by nature, the most gnarly, aggressive person and the most gentle person, by nature, is foolishly in a battle with God. Chose to fight against God. Chose to fight against God in rebellion through unbelief. But by grace, by grace and through surrendering to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, we have peace with God. We have peace with God. As Apostle Paul puts it, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. For the Christian, we trust that the fight with God is over, even though any one of us would have to confess that we still have that indwelling tendency to put our wills up against God's will. There's still this tendency to fight, but our ultimate goal, if you're a true believer, is to submit to the Lord and to obey him and walk in his ways. But the Christian is at peace with God by virtue of his grace through the Lord Jesus. If you're not at peace with God through the Lord Jesus Christ this morning, I urge you to consider that you're fighting against God. Your rebellion against God. You need to repent and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. I, I can't concern myself with whether you're very young or whether you're a teenager or a young adult, married, unmarried, single, uh, single and engaged, whatever it may be. Even a senior citizen, if you're not at peace with God through the Lord Jesus Christ, you need to, you need to talk to me. Connect with me. I want to talk to you about your souls. You know where you're at. You need to reconcile with God if you're not reconciled. But, but for the believer, we are at peace with God. But the battle still continues. And that makes it necessary for us to do, as Paul says, to fight for the faith. 
Now, Paul's called Timothy. If you remember in the letter, Paul is instructing Timothy to be a solid leader and faithful in the church. He's a young man, and he's warned him that there are many different fights to fight. He has to fight for the truth. He has to fight against corruption in the church. Many things like that, but in this particular verse, he's talking about Timothy's personal fight of faith. His personal faith. Timothy faces unique challenges as a young pastor and a leader in the church. Most recently, he's been told by Paul, don't give in to the temptation of thinking that your faith or your office is a means of gain. That's not what this is about. And it's in that context that he urges Timothy to fight for the faith, protect your faith, exhorting this young man. But there's a commonality here for all believers. To fight for the precious faith that God has given to us, all of us, who have faith in Christ. That which is in your heart. That's where the truth is stored up. That's where your faith is stored up. I think Paul would see himself, Proverbs 4.23, a companion passage for this. Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. Guard your heart. And protect that cherished faith. We need to understand that for the believer, that faith is, is already secure. Look back at verse 12 again. Fight the good fight of the faith. Take hold of eternal life to which you were called and about which you, were, you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. So, so the eternal life is already there. In other words, you're laying a hold of what you already have in Christ. And in light of that, you're not fighting to get that faith. That's a gift from God. In light of the faith that God has given to you, fight the fight for your faith. Now again, there are plenty of things to battle against. We have to battle against things that come at us in the world. There are many things to, to fight against from the outside, attacks on our faith from the outside, culture that's becoming more and more twisted, morality. But you see, we have to begin close to home with the faith that we hold, you might say, in our own hearts, laying hold of eternal life. See, eternal life has bearing on our life now in every way. In Philippians 2, verses 12 and 13, Again, Paul writes, My beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. But you'll notice that the believer is not passive at all in that work, working out your salvation with fear and trembling. Hold fast to the faith God has given Fight to protect it. This morning I offer three areas, assuming that the fight with God is over. Three areas that we need to concern ourselves with this inward struggle that is a fight against our faith. In order for there to be a fight, there must be 
an enemy. And the first one is probably the most disturbing one for us to deal with, these three primary sources. The first is the hardest to admit, mostly the hardest to see, because we really do want to be good Christians. That's a good thing, but the first place we need to look is at ourselves. At ourselves. And again, the enemy to God's people that we, we deal with in our hearts is this constant battle against sin. So sin is always a factor. So when we look at ourselves, the last one we want to blame is ourselves. The last one we want to blame is ourselves. But don't start by dealing with any indwelling sin, by blaming other people in your life or circumstances in your life. Start with yourself. The fact of the matter is, as James puts it, let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil and he himself tempts no one, but each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. Sin is always somehow linked to death. Well, in order to deal with this issue, we have to have a strategy. And so I would say we have to identify and strategize. You see, we can't escape ourselves. You can't flee from yourself. And so yourself needs to be brought into submission with a willing heart before God, and sometimes that can be intense. But the first thing we need to realize is that we need to own our own propensity towards sin and our own propensity to tempt our very selves because of our desires. Three simple steps, probably to a not thoroughgoing strategy at all, but first of all, throw off sin, seek to purge your life of any corruption, and then pursue righteousness. First of all, throw off sin. Hebrews 12, 1 2, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. There it is. Salvation secured in Christ, headed towards him. In the process, throw off anything that entangles or anything that trips you up, the sin that you own. Second, seek God's help in purging. You have to identify the things that are causing you to stumble, and sometimes we simply don't see it in ourselves. But there is a reason why in David's prayer of repentance, in Psalm 51, he prays this, Behold, you delight in truth in the inward being, and you teach me wisdom in the secret heart. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall 
be whiter than snow. And then third, pursue the things of righteousness. Pursue righteousness and peace and holiness, without which no one will see the Lord. And so we need to deal with self, but we also need to deal with the reality of seduction all around us. The lure of worldliness is like gravity that pulls us down towards the earthly things that can so easily corrupt us. Many forms of seduction in the world sometimes comes in human form. Christians need to make sure that you're keeping good company. Apostle Paul says bad company corrupts good character, and and frankly, we need to be very careful with whom we associate. Jesus was a friend to sinners. It's not like that. It's not like we cut ourselves off from people in the world. That's that's not what this is about. That That would be unbiblical. But if we have people in our lives, especially unbelievers, who want to draw us back into their state of misery, we need to very carefully manage those relationships and step back and assess them. But even if there are believers in our lives that tend to bring out the negative in us, bring out the complaining spirit, bring us into old habits and things like that. We need to take caution there as well. And so so people are definitely a factor in this. Things, those shiny objects that distract our attention from our higher calling to serve God. Those things of the world, some that are good, that just can consume our lives, others that are bad, that are obvious to stay away from. And then there's that worldly mindset that's so unbecoming of Christians, that that spirit of fear and that spirit of anxiety, not trusting in the Lord, that that spirit of discontent. We spent a lot of time the last two weeks dealing with the issue of being contented. All those other things of prejudices and materialism, all those mindsets of the world that we have to throw off and more and more put on the mind of Christ. All these temptations coming our way. We always need to resist temptation. We often need to flee temptation. String of verses. I won't even read the references. All from the Apostle Paul. Flee from sexual immorality. Every other sin in a person commit every other sin a person commits is outside the body. But the sexually immoral person sins against his own body. My beloved, flee from idolatry. And again to Timothy, flee youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love and peace along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. And so we need to deal with the seduction of the flesh and all the things that go around us that play on those desires of self. But then need I even mention Satan? A constant, 
He'll keep working on you. In fact, when it comes to unbelievers, it's almost as if he doesn't need to bother because they're already in his grip. And the only way out of the grip of darkness and the lure and the control of the evil one is to be delivered by Christ. But he doesn't leave God's people alone. He wants to see you entangled. He wants to see you trip up in many different ways. Sometimes very overtly, sometimes very subtly. Peter says, be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. James says, submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. All these things are at play, coming at our faith. Self, seduction, and Satan. No one's exempt, no matter how old you are. Our very youngest people may see this idea of going to church and Sunday school as something you just got to do because your parents have you do it. I encourage you to take advantage of everything that you're learning from your parents regarding the faith and everything that you'll learn from your church about the things that matter, the things that are forever. Our teens and our young people deal with special temptations, their own temptations in their place in life. You have a young man or a young woman who's raised in the church and they wrestle with the things that they've been taught, maybe struggle deeply with some things and fight the fight and finally settle on the faith, make that wonderful profession of faith before the church. A genuine, sincere profession of submission to Christ, but don't think that the devil's pleased with that. Don't think that now you're safe and secure. You're safe and secure in the Lord, but the battle is not over. The fight is still going on. And certain things seem to provoke the devil, especially young people who want to live their lives for Christ, beyond your guard. Our middle-agers, our married people, everybody deals with this stuff. Our senior citizens deal with their own kind of temptation perhaps very different from the sins of their youth that David prays against, but different kinds of temptations. You all know yourselves. We all know ourselves, I trust, and see the things that we can be lured into by our own desires and the things of the world and the tricks of the devil. Be on your guard. Fight for the faith. Takes vigorous training. And Paul points Timothy in a direction to reinforce the things that are matters of godliness, matters of the faith. And I know that, that this is a mantra kind of behind this whole idea of growing in the grace and knowledge of Jesus and being strong in the Lord. The mantra is this, the means of grace. The word and prayer and worship and fellowship. I will tell you this, that if you're trying to fight the fight of faith without the means of grace, there's going to be a, there's going to be a very hard time ahead of, ahead for you. 
But that regular discipline, that regular training, being in the Word, seeking God's guidance, being in prayer, showing complete dependence on Him, seeking His help, being in worship where the saints of God praise Him together, being in fellowship where there's that mutual accountability that we were designed for. All those things will do what needs to be done in building the things that Paul mentions here. The pursuit of righteousness, that which is right and good in the eyes of God. Godliness, that that comprehensive life of faith. Faithfulness and love, that constant practice of our faith in being reliable to one another as well. It's, it's faith and faithfulness and then love. That ever painful exercise of learning what it really means to love people. That convicting list of the inadequacies, uh, inadequacies of the church at Corinth. That list of love in 1 Corinthians 13 needs to constantly be in our hearts and in our minds to learn what it means to love one another the way that Jesus loves the church. Steadfastness and gentleness, unbending resolve and devotion, that spirit of kindness and patience towards one another. We're so easily lured away from that. Think of the three things. Think of how yourself, my, I have my right. I should not be treated that way. And Christians are not doormats. But if self is the focus and our desires are in the forefront of our focus and we have any ounce of pride in us, that's going to obscure our ability to humble ourselves before one another and truly love one another. Think about the way that the world comes after those things. It's all about you, the world says. But everybody in the world says it's all about me, so how can it be about you? It's not about you, it's about me. And then think of the devil and his constant barrage. All this to say we need to be equipped for engagement. Thankfully, we're not trying to do this on our own. Striving, working out our salvation with fear and trembling. We're not trying to do it on our own. God gives us the grace. I do want us to look at Ephesians chapter 6 to remind us of what God provides for us. But I also want to remind you that in this passage, Ephesians 6, Paul is exhorting the people of God to pursue these things to make sure they're in place. And if you were to look at the context before this great section on the armor of God, you'll recognize that this has to do with our everyday life. Not these heroic acts of faith, but listen closely to what we need for this fight and note who we need to be cautioned against, who who we need to be ready to stand against. Ephesians 6.10, finally be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. 
For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and the shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit which is the word of God, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance. And then he goes on to ask for prayer for all the saints. Be armed with the equipment, with the armor that God has given you. Don't try to fight the fight on your own. Be alert Know when to flee. Know when to fight. Because you are engaged. Whether you like a fight or not, you are engaged. If you're not struggling in any area, something's wrong. Something's wrong. Either you're in denial, or you're blinded, or you're living in a monastic bubble where the devil doesn't seem to think he needs to do any work. You are engaged. But finally, Christians, be confident. Be confident because it is God who saved you. Don't be discouraged. Don't lose heart. It's a fight. But remember, it's God who saved you. And he will bring you to completion. Again, another string of verses, and then I'll close in just a moment. Again, all from the Apostle Paul, and then one finally from the Apostle John, who knew the struggle, who knew the battle, who knew the fight. I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. We all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed in the, into the same image from one degree of glory to another, for this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. And then John from 1 John, Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, because we shall see him as he is. Don't slack off. All those things give us good reason to fight for the precious faith that the Lord has given us as you live out your profession that Jesus Christ is your Lord and is your Savior. Let's pray. Almighty God, how thankful we are that through your grace and the work of our Lord Jesus Christ, that great expression of the great love that you have for sinners, peace has been brokered 
where we in our foolish ignorance and rebellion would still be at war with you, not at peace with you, fighting against you tooth and nail to claim ourselves for ourselves. We're so thankful that that battle is over and that our lives truly have been brought into submission to Christ, trusting that we are in Christ. Lord, we know that the ultimate victory has been won, and we rest our faith fully in that truth. But Lord, we know in the meantime, as you teach us again and again in Scripture, we are in a warfare. We are in a battle. In this case, we are in a fight to protect and sustain and preserve our very own faith that you've given to us. Lord, help us, we pray. Help us to understand ourselves. Help us to be aware of the temptations that are constantly around us. Help us to be aware of the wiles of the evil one. That we would not be tangled up, tripped up, weakened, distracted by the things that so easily draw us away from you. And help us to fight for our precious faith. Grant us the grace. We know that you will give us help when we seek your help. And we come to you in the name of our Savior Jesus, who's gone before us, and with the help of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our closing hymn is hymn number 654, O Jesus.